Welcome to The Spirit Explodes with Roger Kirby. This is Acts Study 10 on Acts chapter 9 verse 32 through to chapter 10 verse 48. It talks about a major step welcoming non-Jews. After introducing Paul to us, Luke switches back to three stories about Peter, two minor and one major. First, the two minor stories. As we read them, watch out for several sharply contrasting features between the first and the second. So first we read chapter 9, verse 32 through to verse 43. As Peter travelled about the country, he went to visit the saints in Lydda. There he found a man named Aeneas, a paralytic who had been bedridden for eight years. Aeneas, Peter said to him, Jesus Christ heals you. Get up and take care of your mat. Immediately Aeneas got up. All those who lived in Lydda and Sharon saw him and turned to the Lord. In Joppa, there was a disciple named Tabitha, which being translated is Dorcas, who was always doing good and helping the poor. About that time she became sick and died, and her body was washed and placed in an upstairs room. Lydda was near Joppa, so when the disciples heard that Peter was in Lydda, they sent two men to him and urged him, Please come at once. Peter went with them, and when he arrived, he was taken upstairs to the room. All the widows stood around him, crying and showing him the robes and other clothing that Dorcas had made while she was still with them. Peter sent them all out of the room. Then he got down on his knees and prayed. Turning towards the dead woman, he said, Tabitha, get up. She opened her eyes, and seeing Peter, she sat up. He took her by the hand and helped her to her feet. Then he called the believers and the widows and presented her to them alive. This became known all over Joppa, and many people believed in the Lord. Peter stayed in Joppa for some time with a tanner named Simon. Question 1. Apart from the obvious one of a bedridden person and a dead person, what are the major contrasts between these two stories? What are we meant to learn from them? As so often in Luke's writing, one is about a man and the other about a woman. Luke is clearly concerned that we should understand that a woman is every bit as important in the kingdom as a man is. And secondly, Dorcas was an important person, much respected both in the church and in the wider community. Aeneas was a nobody, bedridden and of no significance. No one is more important than anyone else in the kingdom. As is sometimes said, the ground is level at the foot of the cross. The major story that follows is long and complicated. Some background is advisable. To this point, almost all those who have set out to follow Jesus 
had been Jews. Now the good news of Jesus had begun to break out of the bounds of Judaism in a small way, mainly because of the adventurous ministry of Philip. Certainly Peter was staying with Simon, a tanner, who was therefore a notoriously unclean person from handling dead animals. Peter, too, was beginning to break out. But the great question, did non-Jews who wanted to follow Jesus have to become Jews as well, was still unresolved. Three things in particular defined a Jew. One, circumcision of the males. Two, Sabbath-keeping. Three, obeying the strict food laws. The first, circumcision, would remain an unresolved problem for some time yet. The second, Sabbath-keeping, was probably not a great issue. The early church, which would have included many slaves, can only have met on a local feast day, whether that was a Sabbath or a pagan festival. Slaves will not have been able to keep the Sabbath anyway. We're about to read how the third problem, the argument about keeping the food laws, was resolved. We read the first 18 verses of chapter 10. At Caesarea there was a man named Cornelius, a centurion in what was known as the Italian Regiment. He and all his family were devout and God-fearing. He gave generously to those in need and prayed to God regularly. One day, at about three in the afternoon, he had a vision. He distinctly saw an angel of God who came to him and said, Cornelius? Cornelius stared at him in fear. What is it, Lord? he asked. The angel answered, Your prayers and gifts to the poor have come up as a memorial offering before God. Now send men to Joppa and bring back a man named Simon, who is called Peter. He is staying with Simon the Tanner, whose house is by the sea. When the angel who spoke to him had gone, Cornelius called two of his servants, a devout soldier who was one of his attendants. He told them, everything that had happened and sent them to Joppa. About noon the following day, as they were on their journey and approaching the city, Peter went up on the roof to pray. He became hungry and wanted something to eat, and while the meal was being prepared, he fell into a trance. He saw heaven opened and something like a large sheet being let down to earth by its four corners. It contained all kinds of four-footed animals, as well as reptiles of the earth and birds of the air. Then a voice told him, Get up, Peter, kill and eat. Surely not, Lord, Peter replied. I have never eaten anything impure or unclean. The voice spoke to him a second time. Do not call anything impure that God has made clean. This happened three times, and immediately the sheet was taken back to heaven. While Peter was wondering about the meaning of the vision, the men sent by Cornelius found out where Simon's house was and stopped at the gate. 
they called out and asked if Simon, who was known as Peter, was staying there. Centurions, in charge of 80 to 100 men, formed the backbone of the Roman army, and so were very important people. Question 2. What would these verses have meant to Theophilus, the guy for whom Luke wrote this book? He hears about a highly respected Roman being involved in the story of Jesus and his people. That would be an encouragement to him that he need not be wary of similar involvement himself. Peter's vision was clear in its meaning. As a devout Jew, Peter will have avoided any contact with the foods forbidden in the law. He saw a sheet, including animals like pigs, rabbits, herons and snakes, to mention just some now commonly eaten, and was told he might eat them. Rather, he was commanded to eat them. Question 3. What would his reaction have been? He would have been shocked and horrified. So might we be at some of the things included. Snakes, yuck! Question 4. What is the general significance of him being told this? The people of God were to turn away from a rule-based system of ethical behaviour. We shall find out later in this chapter what was to replace the rules. Now we read verses 19 to 33. While Peter was still thinking about the vision, the Spirit said to him, Simon, three men are looking for you, so get up and go downstairs. Do not hesitate to go with them, for I have sent them. Peter went down and said to the men, I'm the one you're looking for. Why have you come? They replied, We have come from Cornelius the centurion. He is a righteous and God-fearing man who is respected by all the Jewish people. A holy angel told him to have you come to his house so that he could hear what you have to say. Then Peter invited the men into the house to be his guests. The next day Peter started out with them, and some of the brothers from Joppa went along. The following day he arrived in Caesarea. Cornelius was expecting them, and he called together his relatives and close friends. As Peter entered the house, Cornelius met him and fell at his feet in reverence. But Peter made him get up. Stand up, he said. I am only a man myself. Talking with him, Peter went inside and found a large gathering of people. He said to them, You are well aware that it is against our law for a Jew to associate with Gentile or visit him. But God has shown me that I should not call any man impure or unclean. So when I was sent for, I came without raising any objection. May I ask why you sent for me? Cornelius answered, Four days ago, I was in my house praying at this hour, at three in the afternoon. Suddenly, 
a man in shining clothes stood before me and said, Cornelius, God has heard your prayer and remembered your gifts to the poor. Send to Joppa for Simon, who is called Peter. He is a guest in the home of Simon the Tanner, who lives by the sea. So I sent for you immediately, and it was good of you to come. Now we are all here in the presence of God to listen to everything the Lord has commanded you to tell us. An astonishing scene. A Roman army officer, family and friends in a grand house welcoming a small group of dusty, sweaty, well-travelled Jews. Whatever next? We read verses 34 to 43. Then Peter began to speak. I now realise how true it is that God does not show favouritism, but accepts men from every nation who fear him and do what is right. You know the message God sent to the people of Israel, telling the good news of peace through Jesus Christ, who is the Lord of all. You know what has happened throughout Judea, beginning in Galilee after the baptism that John preached. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power, and how he went around doing good and healing all who were under the power of the devil, because God was with him. We are witnesses of everything he did in the country of the Jews and in Jerusalem. They killed him by hanging him on a tree, but God raised him from the dead on the third day and caused him to be seen. He was not seen by all the people, but by witnesses whom God had already chosen, by us who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. He commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that he is the one whom God appointed as judge of the living and the dead. All the prophets testified about him that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. You know, said Peter, all about Jesus. So the whole countryside must have heard all about the life, death, and reappearance of Jesus. Peter's sermon simply tells the story of Jesus. Question 5. What were the most important things in his talk? What would have been the bullet points if he had had a computer? One, his ministry of teaching and preaching. Two, his death at the hands of them. Three, his resurrection from the dead, validating his status as the Son of God. Four, his role as Messiah and judge. Five, the way belief in him conferred forgiveness of sins. Perhaps there is a message here for all preachers. You cannot tell the great story of Jesus too often. Now we read chapter 10, verses 44 to 48. While Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit came on all who heard the message. The circumcised believers who had come with Peter were astonished that the gift of the Holy Spirit 
had been poured out even on the Gentiles, for they heard them speaking in tongues and praising God. Then Peter said, Can anyone keep these people from being baptized with water? They have received the Holy Spirit just as we have. So he ordered that they be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Then they asked Peter to stay with them for a few days. And now question six, which is going to be a fundamentally important question. It is this. What was to replace the rules of Judaism? The answer is the Holy Spirit. Of course, he is a who and not a what, but to have said who would rather have given the game away in the question. When we start to follow Jesus, the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God, the Spirit of Jesus enters into our being and enables us to do things, to behave in ways we would not and could not before. As John reports Jesus saying in his gospel, chapter 16 and verses 13 and 14, But when he, the Spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all the truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears, and he will tell you what is yet to come. He will glorify me, because it is from me that he will receive what he will make known to you. When we believe and set out to follow Jesus, the Holy Spirit comes to us as a special gift from God. We don't have to look for any particular signs of his presence. To do so would imply that he was under our control, and he isn't. Rejoice in his presence, in and with you. Note once again the close association between the start of the Christian life and baptism. It is not essential, but it is definitely expected. After that, life will be different. As Paul says, we are to walk in step with the Spirit. Thanks for listening. Come back to Partakers, www.partakers.co.uk, where every day there is something added to help you in your life as a Christian disciple. Thank you.